Hey, what's up everyone? This is Skeletoni. Before we get started with episode 84, I just want to let you know that I am a fucking idiot. Uh, when we started recording this episode, I wasn't paying attention, and I did. we did the whole show through the onboard mic on my laptop, so that's awesome. Uh, I did what I could with it to make it sound decent. Um, it doesn't sound great, but it doesn't sound any worse than our older episodes, so if you could stomach those, you can stomach this, and we'll be back to our normal uh, sounding episodes on episode 85, provided I'm fucking competent enough to do it right that time. So, anyway, without any further ado, on with on the show! With the show, the show, the show. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 84 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. Welcome back to another exciting... I'm not, I, I call every episode exciting. They are. They're all very exciting. I think I uh, try to set myself up to where it's like, okay, if I tell myself it's exciting, it's going to be exciting. Get hype. Yeah. Gotta be it. You ain't hype. <laughs> um... So, uh, what's up, Taylor? Oh, you know, usual bullshit. Yeah? yeah. It's not very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, God, what's new? What's new in, in the hood? Uh, well, we recorded a, an episode of the Beyond the Void, or we appeared on an episode of the Beyond the Void podcast this weekend. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's watching us right now. <laughs> I wonder, can... Say, say something if you can hear us, because we're doing something that we're not sure is working. Okay, we'll, we'll just wait. <laughs> we have three viewers. That's exciting. I wonder who they are. Wait, he said something. He said Woot. Woot. All right. Um, <sighs> it's too far away, Alex. Gotta keep getting our ass in jam you. He wants us to take take our clothes off. Oh, okay. Want us to take off our pants and start the revolution? Um, yeah, so uh so yeah, check that out if you haven't heard it already. Or don't. Or don't, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> no, they're what, beyond no. Beyond the void. No, their uh, their website, longlivethevoid.com. That's the one. Um, not a lot of exciting stuff in our lives, I guess. We did also record a new uh, Patreon exclusive video review. We did. We just did that before we started recording. Um, that'll be out already. So if you are a already a Patreon patron, go check it out. Um, that's available at five dollars, or it's all. 
one dollar all right video reviews at one dollar so go check it out if you are not a patreon patron where can they go patreon.com slash grave plot podcast yeah you get damn near everything we provide at one dollar we get but you get more stuff if you get more if you give us more Kind of how that's, that's how Patreon works. <laughs> that's kind of how like capitalism works. Right. Um, uh, speaking uh, of Patreon patrons, oh yes, um, I can't see them here. I know. I uh, we want to thank our Patreon patrons: Max Zaleski, Kevin Trent, our newest Patreon patron, Jordan Morrison, who just recently upped his his Patreon patronage. Thank you, Jordan, as well as Kevin Nesgoda, who we're hoping is going to join us later on in the show. Uh, I think he's taking a nap. Yes. Uh, hopefully he, he comes aboard. That would be. Shut up. Um, Quiet, Joe. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful day in Seattle now. It won't be probably in an hour because that's how things work here. Yeah. Had a science march earlier. We didn't go. Oh, you went to the, went to the rally. rally. Yeah, yeah. Unknowingly. <laughs> I was just trying to take my dog to the park. All of a sudden there was people there. There was a lot of excitement. I just saw like everybody walking to the other side of the park. And I'm like, let's go see what this is. <laughs> and there's like a giant inflatable earth over there and a sign that says science. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, science is cool. Yeah. My wife went with our dog and now he's all over, all over. A lot of people that we don't know took pictures of him and put him on Instagram. This fucking dog is more famous than we are. It's true. <laughs> I think he has, I think he has more Instagram followers than us. Start, start posting our stuff on his page. <laughs> <laughs> I think when we did Drunken Cinema Live, um, my wife actually put my a, wife, my wife put a picture of the setup on his page. But that's the last. That's the last. But his page is heard of us. <laughs> Didn't do us any good. What is that? What is what? A thing just flew by. Did somebody just give us. Oh, I think it was a like. Uh, oh, now we have no followers. Womp womp. So they were like, I like this. I'm going to turn it off. <laughs> okay, bye. And it looks like it was Jen. I'm reading that quickly from here. I can't see that far. Because you're blind as fuck. I am blind as fuck. That's a fact. <laughs> you know what's funny is like you didn't wear glasses when I met you. But I wore contacts. You did? Yeah. I didn't wear that. I've worn glasses since I was like 13. Um, now you know. Dum, 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 dum. Um, science, fun stuff. Um, <laughs> science. <laughs> I was trying to find interesting things to talk about because we're all interesting people. I want to. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our boy Eric England, our very first interview, who just started his own company. Yeah, that's, that's big stuff. Um, a uh, production and financing company called Talk Story. Right. I kept seeing things about Greenlight. I thought that's what the company is called, but that's their first feature film with their financing. Right. Um, and that's actually, it's directed by the guy who played Charlie in the Blood Brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, which one was Charlie? He was the, like, more heavy set one. Ah, uh, okay. Nothing um, was bad, just, like, the bigger of the two. Right. Um, yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Congratulations. Not that he listens to the show, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Congratulations, all the same. Congratulations to all. Two thumbs. Let's yeah. mention, uh, how about uh, Friday 13th, the game? Finally, oh, it's a fucking release day. I'm so fucking hyped, dude. Uh, I was actually, I was, I was telling my coworker about it. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm fiddling. 
Um, tell my coworker about it because uh, he's he's a, a gamer, but I don't think you. Really, I think he and I play different kinds of games. Um, what do you say now? He said the feed is stuttering. Bitch, you're stuttering. <laughs> um, yeah, he plays more um, like game. Like I, I play like you know, horror games and um, like more reality based games. Like, I don't know where I'm going. I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to stop. That's a great story. Anyway, I was telling him about it, and um, it's like, but they haven't released a fucking release date yet. It's driving me insane. And then later that day, I looked. I just happened across something that said, oh, Friday the 13th game release date released. Didn't say that. <laughs> that would have been a bad title. But, yeah, I'm fucking excited. The game looks so goddamn good. May 26th. I don't know. Did we actually say? Nope. nope May 26th, which is 13 times 2. It is. I don't know if that was intentional, but probably not. I think they would have just released it on the 13th. I mean, if it was fucking uh, Paramount, they would have been like, well, we can't put it out because there's not a Friday the 13th. Right. We have to wait till October. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm fucking hype about that. And then, you ain't hype. And then Injustice 2, I think it's probably coming, around, coming out like the same day or around that same time. I think that might be out already. Injustice 2? I think so. I'm pretty sure it comes out later this month. I think the mobile game is out already. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but the first game is fucking dope. And the second one's going to be even sweeter. Yep. There was something I wanted to talk about. I suggested it for horror business, and you said it wasn't good for... You said it wasn't good enough. <laughs> but I still wanted to talk about it, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Oh, that uh, Stephen King book. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, we won't spend a lot of time talking about it, but um, there was they, they released a book. Uh, it's called Reading Stephen King. Um, it's not a book by Stephen King, but it's about it's uh, from uh, a bunch of pretty well known, um, uh, you know, uh, film people and writers alike that were heavily influenced by. Stephen King, um, and they basically write these. They wrote these essays about um, reading Stephen King books and like what had the most impact on them and, and things like that. So, uh, sounds pretty sweet. I, I, I'd like to get a copy. Um, if you go to cemeteryDance.com, though, you can get yourself a copy. Of it. They've got it's a limited run. I don't, I don't know if it's just these books in particular that are going to like the first editions that are just going to be. Small limited run, but um, I, I got the impression that once they're gone, they're, they're gone. But the they have two versions of it. One's fifty dollars, and that comes with um, like uh, a signature page. Like I think most of the people that wrote essays in the book have signed it. And then there's a two hundred dollar version one. Um, I can't remember exactly what's different about that, but uh, but I mean, there's like the only, the only name that comes immediately to mind is um, Clive Barker, wrote one. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty sweet. So uh, yeah, if that's of interest in you, I'd, I'd go check out CemeteryDance.com and pick up a copy. I think that many 
well-known people, especially if you if it's autographed by a lot of them. Um, Fifty bucks would be definitely worth it. Could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a fan of Stephen King, it seems like it's a pretty good investment. Yeah. Um, anything else premiums worthy? I don't think so. All right. Well, um, maybe we just jump into some horror business then. I guess so. All right, kicking things off uh, in real-world horror. Uh, so in addition to uh, kicking and sometimes dragging people off their planes, United is adding a new uh, thing to their customer experience. Um, they're starting to drop scorpions on people's heads and feeding them pieces of glass. Are you okay. saying? Fucking United is having the best week ever. You are too goddamn loud. Story of my life. Keep getting turned up. Getting turned up. Getting turned out. That's what they say, right? Kids. Yeah. The youngins, they, they, they say things like that. Or something, whatever. Um, so United, tell me more. So we've all you know come to realize that United is a piece of shit worthless airline. I mean, aside from their um, inconvenient flights and overpriced flights. I gotta plot my words out better. Jesus, um, uh, a f- customer named Richard Bell was flying with his wife Linda um, on a flight from Houston to Calgary. This was actually this was the same day that the guy got dragged off the plane. Right. Um, he said that uh, he felt something fall on his hair from overhead. Um, he was telling this to CBC. Said he whatever it was, he dropped it on the plate. On a, on a plate, and when he went to go pick it up, um, he realized it was a scorpion, and it stung him, because that's what scorpions do. They sting fools. Word. That's why they're evil demon creatures. Or they look really badass and they're like a belt buckle or something. <laughs> uh, or a bolo tie. Oh, man. Okay, Macklemore. <laughs> Um, he said it felt like a wasp sting, which I've never been hurt, stung by a wasp, but I've heard it hurts like a bastard, like, like worse than just normal bee stings. Because it, it's, it's wasps that can, can continually sting. Yeah, yeah. They can sting you over and over because, like scorpions, they're evil demon creatures. <laughs> um, <Kind of> spawns. <laughs> um... Said it was about an inch and a half long and honey colored, which I think most scorpions are. I think it's the black ones that you really got to worry about because those are the big ones. Those are the big fuckers. Okay, I don't know anything about scorpions. Sorry. The big, the big. What are you doing? They stinger. Scorpion stinger. Stop that! <laughs> Why is it turning you on? No, it's freaking me out. <laughs> you having feelings you don't understand? <laughs> Um, uh, where did I leave off? Uh, his wife told CNN that the airline apologized and offered them uh, com- uh, compensation, um, which may or may not include a bag of peanuts. 
I mean, it was United, so they're lucky they got anything. Usually United's like, sorry, that's our policy. <laughs> oh, people beat you senseless and dragged you off a plane in front of everyone? Sorry. Uh, Deal with it. <laughs> uh, source told BGR. I don't know what that is. It's like a website. Um, the passenger on United. Oh, uh, so that's one story. Uh, sources told BGR that a passenger on a United flight um, last week. I assume that still stands. It was the last week. Might have been two weeks ago now. Okay, it's, it, 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 a while ago. Um, she was given a s- ice cream sundae, um, and it had a bit of glass in it. Um, you know, for flavor. Yeah. Uh. It was subsequently eaten. Yeah, ate it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm sure you can imagine from there what happened. But uh, United, of course, would not comment on the specifics of the incident. Uh, but a spokesperson said, uh, we have temporarily suspended premium cabin, <laughs> premium cabin, cabin Sunday service. Oh, not yeah. going to get my Sunday. Here's the real horror. First class passengers now have to eat Prepackaged ice cream. Oh, fuck me. Poor, poor babies. And moose. Or they get eat. Who eats prepackaged moose? I mean, my God, this is the third world country. Or little snowflakes. First but people were like legit, like, what the fuck is this, United? I paid X amount of dollars for this seat, and this is the shit you give me? United's like, maybe you eat glass then. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> like, get over yourself. I don't know what they're so mad about. I mean, I used to eat like those little uh, ice cream cups you get in elementary school. You eat them with a wooden spoon. Yeah. Those were the bombs. Little sherbet cups. Those were the I like those things. I thought you were going to say, like, I don't know what they talk about. I used to eat glass all the time. <laughs> no big deal. I got a cousin who eats glass in the circus. That's not true. I mean, I used to watch the uh, fucking, uh, the, the fucking uh, Jim Rose sideshow. I don't know what that is. It was a sideshow. They would they were from around here and they would go on Sally Jesse Raphael and the guy would eat light bulbs and shit. Oh. There's a uh, there's a trick to eating glass, apparently. Uh, I guess there are in most things. I mean probably like people probably don't just like eat it. Yeah. I, I imagine you probably just can't chop down on the glass. You gotta you gotta know the trick. Um so yeah, United is uh, they they just keep fucking up. Yeah, we, we it's like they can't stop themselves. It's like they don't have a conscience that's telling them like what they're doing is wrong or something. Well, the worst part is the way they handle it. Yeah, like every time they're like, yeah, well, you know, shit happens. Yeah, it's it, it's almost as if nobody has mentioned to them that they have a, a public image to maintain. Yeah, um, we didn't even mention when they wouldn't let the kids on the flight because the little girl was wearing leggings. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck? That was probably the dumbest thing of all. Like, I mean, you know, dragging a guy off the plane because he refuses to give up his seat. You know, there is a policy in place that says, you know, if a customer does not voluntarily do it, you know, with proper compensation offered, then, you know, the airline reserves the right to remove, remove someone. 
the way they did it was wrong, but I mean, their policy was that. I mean, I mean, there's really no arguing that element of it. I think. Yeah. Um, but not letting little girls on the planes because they're wearing leggings that fucking blew my mind. Like, what kind of idiotic policy is that? Like, like they're. I, I wonder if that policy was written like in the fifties, where people like dressed up because they're that's what I was flying. thinking. <laughs> It's a, but I mean, it's like they legitimately, because they were uh, flying on like complimentary family passes. Right. They're, they're family members of a United employee. Um, the dad was wearing fucking cargo shorts. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it, the way they said, I guess the way they did, didn't apologize uh, basically implied that they expect people to be wearing like business casual when they fly because they're representing the company. Fuck off. It's like, no, I'm not representing the company. I'm flying for free because somebody I know works for the company. Yeah. Uh, I'm not beholden to any of your fucking idiotic dress code. So, uh, yeah. Well, if you don't do it, then they're going to fucking drop scorpions on your head and make you eat glass. Right. <laughs> so don't wear your fucking leggings on the plane, Tony. I've, I've given up jeans and any other kind of pants. I only wear leggings and Uggs. It's true. I'm looking at it right now. It's terrifying. I stuffed it. I stuffed my crotch full of socks just to give it extra emphasis. <laughs> that's too many socks. <laughs> he has like 18 socks in his crotch right now. It's oh man, sticking out like a foot and a half, <laughs> like straight out. It's very obviously socks. It doesn't look like a dick at all. In uh, uh, Beaster Day, uh, this, the like the main character, he's getting ready for work and he like sticks a sock in his pants, and then he sticks another one in there, and then he grabs like a fistful of socks and stuffs them down. <laughs> so he he's just looks like he's got like fucking elephantitis or some shit. Because that was probably like the only funny part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, enough so about that fuck party. United. Enough about United. Fuck United. So the Universal Monsters universe continues to grow. Uh, and now Bride of Frankenstein is apparently in talks with the director. That director is Bill Condon, who directed the live-action Beauty and the Beast movie, as well as Twilight, Breaking Dawn 1 and 2, and Gods and Monsters. So Beauty and the Beast is doing really well. Yeah, but I honestly think I could have directed that and it would have done well. Fair enough, because I'm a great fucking director. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, fucking Twilight, fuck Twilight. Yeah. Um, and Gods and Monsters. I don't know what that is. Is that the one? No. Is that the Egyptian one? No. I don't think so. Maybe. I have no idea. Whatever. Anyways, uh, Condon said in a previous interview that one of his favorite classic monsters is the uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Condon. Like a prophylactic. No, Condon. <laughs> Apparently, there's also an homage in Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1, where a character revives another character and turns her into a monster to save her life, which 
is a kind of homage to Bride of Frankenstein. Seems yeah, a little thin. Yeah, it's, it's a stretch. Uh, yeah, this is going to be based on a script by David Cope, who wrote the first two Jurassic Park movies, which would be Jurassic Park and The Lost World. Uh, it's said to have kind of a feminist bent to the story. Which, for Bride of Frankenstein, I guess that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of changing the story, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because Bride of Frankenstein is anything but feminist. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, like, uh, essentially anti-feminist. Patriarchal? Yeah. I mean, because you've got a creature who demands that his maker make him a mate that will love him unconditionally. And I mean, I guess the the only element to that story that you might consider feminist is the fact that rather than marry him, she kills herself. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's the thing. But I mean, she's she. Who was she? She was a uh, uh, like I think she was a woman that uh, Doctor Frankenstein was interested in, and. She, she died or the monster it's been so long since I've seen I mean Frankenstein or in the 96 version she was Dr. Frankenstein's sister wife right icky yeah (laughs) icky dude here Um, brother and sister no (laughs) go back and listen to our review of that that's one of my favorites long wrestling long wrestling fucking uh, Robert De Niro's naked Ass. Um, Slipping and sliding. <laughs> um, but yeah, she died. I, she, she did. <laughs> she was either killed or she died uh, some other way. And then, yeah, the monster brings her to him and said, make me a wife. So she, basically this woman was killed and then said, you know, basically brought back to life as a slave. Um, yeah. but, I mean, then she's didn't rather than like stand up for herself, she just killed herself. So I mean, that's kind of like feminist and not feminist at the same time. I wonder how they'll make it, how they'll give it this feminist bent. Uh, like, like I said, giving, creating a completely different story. That's how they're <laughs> gonna do it. I mean, that's it's, what they're doing with this entire fucking thing. I was going to say that. I mean, Dr. Jekyll was not in the fucking mummy. No, he wasn't. In fact, he wasn't in the Universal Monster Universe. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, this they, 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 this year, they should probably stop this. Oh, this no. is going to be a train wreck. Oh, but it's it's a fucking train that is not stopping. It's 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 picking it's up off steam. the tracks. Yeah. It's going to continue to go. Until it fucking crashes. And so, then Universal will be like, oh well, <laughs> oops. So, you know, if you're into massive train fires, keep an eye on this one. So everyone's got Kong fever. Oh no, do I have it? I haven't been tested. I don't know. 
to look at you, I think maybe, yeah. Oh, no. What could be worse? Does it start with a sore throat? <laughs> I think I got it. Um, but yeah, on the heels of King, or sorry, Kong Skull Island, a King Kong TV series is now in development. The Melamin. Um, the Melanoma. It's based on DeVito Artworks Skull Island property, which I believe was a series of comics. I'm not sure about that. I could be wrong. Um, and Marion C. Cooper's King Kong. King Kong Skull Island is a comprehensive King Kong universe exclusively endorsed by Kong 3. That wasn't necessary. I didn't even know that. Um, <laughs> it is, however, unrelated to the film Kong Skull Island. Right. Um, it's going to be within this Kong universe. <laughs> so many fucking universes now. I hate it so much. Marvel. I blame you. You know, they could probably help by, like, coming out and, like, condemning this thing. But they're owned by Disney, and Disney will never do that. No, because now they're creating this fucking Star Wars universe that's going to be enormous. Yeah. Every character gets their own spinoff movie. Yeah, and they're remaking all of their animated movies and their live actions. Disney, I mean, like any other studio, really loves making money. <laughs> like, if they don't have to write a new story, that's... Real estate, right there. Like you said, that's most studios. So. Yeah. Let's just buy up some properties and, right. and just make some bullshit story that's almost kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, like let's let's take a look at Disneyland, the California Adventure. We just talked about this the other day. They knocked or they they um, shut down Tower of Terror because they're going to replace it with the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Uh, well, it's been unveiled. I don't know if it's open yet, but you, you can see pictures of it. It's Basically, they put a new facade on the Tower of Terror building. Um, and to my understanding, it's got the exact same mechanics. Like It, it is Tower of Terror, except... With a new hat. Yeah, basically. It's, it, they retrofitted Tower of Terror to be Guardians of the Galaxy. They should have just kept Tower of Terror and added David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> no. <laughs> Any questions? I think I'm the only person in the world that thinks that's fucking stupid. Yeah, you are, because David S. Pumpkins is awesome. <laughs> so dumb. That's the point. Um, yeah, so that's just like an example of how lazy people are. Yeah. Um, so uh, the series is being written by Jonathan Penner. We're back on King Kong, by the way. <laughs> um, and Stacy Title. Uh, who wrote the Bye Bye Man? Oh no! <laughs> oh, oh no! Uh, the Pee Pee Poo Poo Man. <laughs> um, it's a serialized contemporary continuation of this classic with a female led multicultural ensemble that del- delves fully fucking talk delves fully into the wonders and humors of Skull Island and its origins or horrors. <laughs> I'm like, what's humorous about Skull? <laughs> so wait, it's a continuation of the original movie, right? Is that what I'm getting from that? Continuation of the classic? So that means like the original movie? I guess. But it goes to Skull Island? So that would actually, wouldn't that be before the original movie? I think. And also the fact that you have to point out that it's female-led and multicultural when it hasn't even been cast yet just sounds like pandering. 
Oh, it absolutely is. It sounds like I'm going to make an all-female Ghostbusters. Yeah, I haven't written anything, but that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, you you don't have to make thing. You don't have to make something feminist or uh, racially inclusive and then advertise it. Yeah, just it's fucking stupid. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, yeah. Nobody needs to be. You don't need to impress anybody. You don't need a pat on the fucking back for kept making a multicultural ensemble. Yeah, you should just do that. And yeah, then, that should be normal. Yeah. But, I mean, not to a point where it seems fake. Well, yeah. Where you, like, include a person of every race because that just doesn't happen in real life. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, like, there was, there was a band that used to play in, like, the South Sound area called Go Ahead. <laughs> Yeah, all the like even Fallen federal white people are like, oh yeah, fucking go ahead. Uh, but there was like, I think there was a white guy, a black guy, and an Asian guy. Is that right? There were two white guys. Yeah, an Asian. Like, there's um, a white guy sang playing guitar, an Asian guy that played the second guitar. Uh, a white guy bass player was white bass, and then black drummer. Okay, yeah, and like I saw people on their their MySpace uh, saying like, you know, we're with the multicultural shit. It's just it's not. And it's like, no, that's just, that's just them. Like yeah. <laughs> that's who they are. That just happened. They weren't like, Oh, we need to make a band that's all multicultural. <laughs> no, they just did it. Cause they're friends and they like the same music. And, yeah. Uh, so that's my completely obscure reference for the day. <laughs> um, Joe DeVito, uh, from DeVito artworks. Well, Joey DeVito. I wonder if that was named after him. You think? Or if they hired him because that's what his name was. No, they just really like Danny DeVito. <laughs> Uh, he, he he had previously sued Legendary Pictures, Warner Brothers, and the producers of Kong Skull Island for uh, allegedly stealing his ideas uh, in a defunct pitch for a Kong TV series. See, that's why you have to get your stuff copyrighted. You don't just walk into a pitch meeting completely unprotected. Because, you know, if it's... If it's, you know, if it's a pitch meeting, then it's considered solicited. And, you know, basically you have no protection over that. And you got you to always have protection. got to have protection. Otherwise you get the herps. The herps, uh, the burps, the burps, the meeps, the beeps, the creeps. <laughs> <laughs> the what, the what, and the what? It's uh, weird that he sued them, for, or tried to steal, sue them, for <laughs> stealing his ideas for a pre-existing property. Yeah, I mean, unless it was like specific, like I think it's the the story, yeah, characters and story elements or something. I mean, you know, in cases like that, I think that's usually what the case is. Yeah, I mean, from the like the sound of it, it sounds like this story is very similar to to Skull Island. You know, it does say that it delves fully into the wonders and horrors of Skull Island and its origins. Mm-hmm. Um, in two thousand four, with the permission of the Cooper Estate. Um, that would be Marion C. Cooper, who did the original King Kong. Right. Um, DeVito created and illustrated King, or sorry, Kong, King of Skull Island, which is a book that functioned as a prequel slash sequel to the original movie, um, which will be the basis for the tele- television series. So, yeah, like you said, um, it. I, I suppose there may be a chance that it doesn't even get as far as like story but but it says prequel slash sequel and it, but so. the thing about that though is that king kong died 
at the end of the original? Or did he? Dun, dun, dun. Um, maybe him and the lady had a baby. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. Diddy Kong. Diddy Kong. <laughs> um, so, you pumped? You pumped for it? Nah. I'm not a King Kong guy. Like, the, 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 the giant monster movies just don't really do much for me. Um, I mean, you know, King Kong, Godzilla, um, all those the kaiju movies, they just don't do much for me. Yeah. I don't know. We're stuck to Rampage, but look at the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, these giant monster movies, like, King Kong didn't really do anything. He climbed the Empire State Building and then just, like, stood there. Yeah, basically. Like, I want to see Rampage where they're, like, <laughs> busting out buildings and shit, punching helicopters out of the sky. Yeah. And then the rock coming in and just, just rock bottom off the fucking <laughs> off the building. And Alexandra Dario. She's not in it. <laughs> she should be. <laughs> uh, we gotta start a campaign. If we keep talking about it, maybe we'll do it. You know, us, the Hollywood insiders. Right. We'll get Alex to get it trending. <laughs> Our one fucking Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Neat. King Kong coming to TV. Or not. All right, so surprise, The X-Files is coming back again. Hey! Uh, Fox announced that it will return for the 2017-18 season with 10 new episodes, uh, which is kind of surprising because most shows are not happening at all right now because the writers are on strike. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder if they thought about this before the writers were on strike. I don't know. Of course, they, they, just, really, they just announced this a couple days ago. Yeah. So. Have, written. have the writers gone on strike yet? I think so, but I don't know for sure. I know they talked about it, but God, do you remember the last one? Yeah. That fucked things up for years. Yes, it did. Man, I mean, you know, TV bounced back fairly quickly, but Hollywood suffered. Mm-hmm. Of course, it got a lot of, um, like, blacklist movies made. That's true. Well, I mean, good for those people. Yeah. But maybe we'll get some original fucking content. Yeah, maybe. Probably not. <laughs> but I mean, you know, studios will get desperate to put fucking movies out. Um, so if they don't have writers writing them, they got to score something that's all already written. Whether it's a fucking like reboot or something, yeah, or or not. Or maybe we'll get some some fresh blood in Hollywood. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, anyways, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson both signed on to reprise their roles. Obviously, he couldn't have fucking X-Files if it wasn't for Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Carter, creator and executive producer, also on board. You know, I, I'm, there's no news in this, at least the information we have, that um, the redhead chick from Can't Hardly Wait and uh, uh, Green Arrow's cousin uh, are coming back. They were both like, it seemed like they were going to be like the new Mulder and Scully. I want to know if he's Darby's coming back. 
That's right, he was in that. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he is. Speaking of which, where the fuck is uh, We Are Wolves? Honestly, that shit. Is it We Are Wolves? Is it We Are Wolves? I think so. Well, either way. Whatever it's called. <laughs> I need it. It's um, so hard. The reason the show is coming back is because the re- original revival, which was, wasn't it six episodes? No, I think it was like 10. Was it 10? Ish. All right. Well, it averaged a 4.8 rating among adults 18 to 49 and 13.6 million viewers in Live Plus 7 ratings, which I assume that's Live Plus 7 days, I guess. I think that that's a relatively new <clears throat> number. Barometer? Sure. Uh, On account of streaming and VOD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that would made it made it the number three scripted show for the season. I don't know if that's for just Fox or for all of TV. Oh, I think that was just just for Fox because it was behind uh, the Big Bang Theory and I guess it must be all of TV, that's on CBS. Modern Family. No, Modern Family was, it was number two. It was something else that just got canceled. So uh, I don't remember. Doesn't matter. Some some I think it was something stupid. Um. <laughs> The, orig- the original revival was billed as being self-contained, but anyone who watched it knows that it ended with a cliffhanger, so they at least wanted to leave it open for the chance of more episodes. I mean, that ending has to be completed. They can't just leave it how they left it. Did you you watch it? Uh, yeah, it was like a big cliffhanger. Like, worldwide implications. You can't just leave it. you got to finish it. I've been fucked up if they just didn't, like, couldn't get it picked up again. Yeah. Like Fox didn't want to do it or something. Oh, it would have been so bad. Um, it helps that Duchovny's latest show, Aquarius, was canceled. Uh, although Gillian Anderson is on the show The Fall, um, which I guess is a British import. Not from Britain, but whatever. Uh, as well as she's also in American Gods, which is an upcoming stars show. So she's going to be busy. Right. But, I mean, ten episodes, then... Can't take up too much time, especially if they work like a solid schedule. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really, like I said, yeah, I don't remember their names. Or Robbie Amell. He played basically like this junior version of Mulder. And then the redhead chick that was in Can't Hardly Wait. I don't know her name. Um, she played like the, the really straight laced, like, you know, rational. Scully type character, uh, and it really seemed like they were basically gearing them up to like maybe start like a, a new age Xbox, like a passing of the torch kind of thing. Essentially, yeah. Um, and I mean, I wonder how that would be received. I don't know, um, but I mean, I asked my dad about it, and you know, he's like the biggest X Files fan I knew or I know. Um, and he said that he didn't really like the new one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he said it felt too rushed, which, I mean, you know, you're trying to fit essentially what is a season's worth of a story into 10 episodes. Yeah. Um, so naturally, there's going to be, I think, a little bit of pressure to pack too much into one episode. Um, I didn't really get that impression. I liked it, but I, I was actually surprised to hear my dad didn't like it. Also didn't like the uh, new 24, I found out. And it wasn't because he was a black guy. Did you like new 24? Uh, honestly, um, I have watched about half the episodes. 
because I'm usually editing this the night it's on. Oh. <laughs> um, so I need now that the season's over, I need to just go back and just probably just binge watch all the episodes and figure it out. But my dad said he didn't like it for essentially the same reason. It just felt too um, too uh, rushed and uh, not, not enough um, emphasis put on the right things. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, X-Files. Yeah, no like uh, official date yet, but it like, just says for the 2017-18 broadcast season, which I think usually starts in the fall, right? Yeah, I mean, mo- I think most shows will start around late September, early October. Um, since it's 10 episodes, unless they're planning like a break in between, I would expect it probably around January. Uh, let's see. Or, I mean, maybe it'll start early. Maybe it'll start like September, October, and they're just planning to do like a mid-season replacement or something else. It could be. Guess or, we'll find out. We'll find out. Okay, so um, the graphic novel series written by Jill Hill at Lock and Key. Uh, have we talked about this before? It sounds really familiar. They've been trying to get something done with this for years. Okay. At um, one point, there was a movie they were trying to do. Uh, I don't remember if they actually had a studio behind it. And then they had um, actually had a series set up at Fox. And they, they actually had filmed something for it that was at... Comic Con or something, they debuted it. Huh. But then the show at the Fox just dropped it, never actually went to air. I vaguely remember Bruce uh, Bruce Willis being attached to that, something. That I don't know. Anyway, um, so like I said, Lock and Key, written by Joe Hill, is a graphic novel series. Um, it revolves around three siblings who, after the gruesome murder of their father, move to their ancestral home, Key House, in Maine. Of course, dear. <laughs> of course. Um, Joe Hill tends to, at least in my experience, he seems to write, whereas Stephen King will write a lot of stories set in Maine, um, uh, Joe Hill writes a lot of stories based in uh, New Hampshire. Hmm. New Hampshire. Maybe since this is their ancestral home, it's in Maine. It's kind of like an homage to his, his father. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, you clever little minx. <laughs> Um, only to find the house has magical keys to fantastic doors that transform all who dare to walk through them. Little do they know, Key House has also become, or is also home to the hate field. Hate field. Hate hate field. Don't go out in the hate field. (laughs) It's also home to a hate-filled and relentless creature who also wants the keys and will stop at nothing to attain them. Uh, Okay. I mean, this sounds more like a fantasy story. Well, it's then more. I mean, I, I've always had the, I've been given the impression that it's a horror story, but it doesn't sound like it's being billed as a horror slash fantasy drama. Okay, I know. Uh, I mean, Joe Hill's books, at least the ones I've read, haven't been terribly horror related. Um, I mean, Horns and the Fireman, um, and uh, God damn it, was the other book. Uh, Nosferatu? Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Ah, and I read, I read his first one. Is it Heart Shaped Box, I think it was called? 
Sounds right. Yeah. Um, none of them were super horror. I mean, horns, sort of. Nosferatu's a little bit, but the other ones, no, not at all. Yeah. Um, he does seem to have more of a fam- fantasy element than horror, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to a dad who's mostly horror. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think we're bearing the lead here. Did you actually say that it's coming to Hulu? Yes, I said that to me. Okay, I know you started talking about the series. I didn't know if you actually said Hulu. Yeah. Hulu, Hulu, Hulu. There. Covered our bases. There we go. Uh, Lock and Key has a long history of making um, another medium. Making it to another medium. Yeah, this is kind of what we were talking about before. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, Dimension Films originally purchased the rights in 2008, but then that fell through, and then Fox in 2010 uh, was given a series order, but never went forward. They produced a pilot, but that's it. Right. And then there was another film adaptation with Alex Kurtzman, who was the guy running the fucking Universal Monsters bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was in 2014 with Universal, and that never never happened either. You know, what also never happened is um, the series for Nosferatu. They were supposed to be happening, and never fucking heard a word about. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be who, right? I don't remember. I'm almost certain it was, but isn't uh, isn't the Fireman supposed to be developed in a movie already too? I think so. I think they bought up the rights where the book was even released. Yeah, which apparently is pretty common practice. Oh, really? Yeah. Like you, if you, I think like typically movie studios will get like advanced copies, and you know they'll have their reader read it, and then if they like it, they'll buy up the rights before the book's even released because you have to look that quickly. Hmm. Interesting. Basically, like strike when iron's hot. Um, but yeah, they've ordered a pilot to Lock and Key, which is going to be a one-hour show. Um, Joe Hill said, "I love this story." Um, and uh, in the seven years I spent working on Lock and Key, it was the happiest, most creative experience of my life. And there still isn't a day when I don't think the think about those characters and miss visiting with them. Uh, the six books of the series are very like se- uh, six seasons on a cable TV series. And so it feels only natural to bring the world to the little screen and to see if we can see if we can't scare the pants off of viewers everywhere. So he is trying to make it some kind of horror. Yeah. I mean, how is he involved? I mean, is he just a producer? Uh, I think he's writing. Uh, actually, I don't know. I mean, maybe he'll like, Write the pilot or something? Maybe. I don't know. But it's weird to have a... I've noticed that Hulu is doing a lot of more, a lot more um, like weekly shows rather than just releasing seasons like Netflix does. Yeah. Like uh, they did that with... Uh, did they do that with 11.22.63? Yeah. They did that. And um, they did that when they, uh, when they started doing um, Mindy Project. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they did it on a weekly basis. <clears throat> Um, but I mean, if he's involved, then I think it has some potential. It sounds like he wants it to be six seasons. I guess that's kind of up to Hulu, but I mean, if it, if it gets the juice from the first season, then I don't see why not. I mean, yeah. As long as they keep people entertained. But I mean, it, it, it's so hard for shows to make it six seasons anymore. Yeah. I mean, but you know, you talk to like a British person and they think that like, shows have no business going for six seasons. Except for Faulty Towers. <laughs> um, yeah, directing the pilot is Scott Derrickson, who directed Exorcism, Emily Rose, Sinister, Deliver Us from Evil, and also just directed Doctor Strange. 
Did he direct Doctor Strange? He did, in fact. I did not know that. Uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose was okay. It was okay. Sinister. For a PG-13 exorcism movie. Sinister was garbage. Sinister was pretty garbage. Deliverer of Western Evil was... It was alright. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like... It was all Joel McHale fucking carried it. <laughs> Joel McHale. The badass with the knife. <laughs> what a fucking joke. <laughs> and, like, that's based off real, like, real life, apparently. I think that's absolute fucking nonsense. But I wonder if his partner was really, like, more attuned to use, like, a knife than a gun. Because I don't think the NYPD would allow that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, come on, motherfucker. I'll put my gun down. I'll fuck you up with this knife. I don't care if you're possessed by the devil. Anyway. Uh, anyway, this, I don't know. Are you looking forward to this? Yeah, I mean, I'll check it out. Uh, I, I would like to read a lot read the series first. Um, actually, just sit down and do it. Um, but free comic book days coming up soon. Hey! You know, pick some up. Maybe. I already got Hulu, so, you know, Fuck it. So our last story here is kind of a real-world horror story in a way. Uh, Real-life clowns are speaking out against Stephen King's It. They believe that it will hurt their business. Uh, BBC Newsbeat spoke with two clowns, Tickles and Maddie. Uh, I would not hire someone named Tickles the Clown. I'm sorry. (laughs) For my kid's birthday party? Absolutely fucking not. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Tickles is a woman, but still. <laughs> right. Uh, Celine Harland is apparently the Tickles the Clown, and Maddie the Clown is actually Matthew Faint, to pull back the veil a little bit. Uh, Tickles says, it's a horror movie, and it affects people's thoughts and opinions on what a clown is. Unfortunately, it's not like Jaws, which is unrealistic. Wait, what? What part about it is realistic? Has she even read the fucking book? She knows sharks are real, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one would have to guess. She probably didn't think that through. <laughs> you know, fictional characters like unicorns and leprechauns and sharks. <laughs> yeah, right. A fucking other dimensional being coming to coming to the world and eating children disguised as a clown. That's way more realistic. Yeah. Uh, we do have clowns in society. That's That's true. We do, Tickles. I have parents and teachers phoning me. They're scared to hire you in case they've got one child who will be upset. Okay, here's my problem with that. (laughs) Stephen King made it a clown because people are afraid of clowns. That was a thing before he wrote the book. Yeah. Uh, Maddie the Clown says it's all... He designed Pennywise to look like... He he mentions in the book Ronald McDonald and Clarabelle. Mm -hmm. And Bozo. And, and Bozo. Clarabelle, in particular, is terrifying. Because Clarabelle looks like you will eat your soul. <laughs> so, uh, there's that. Uh, Maddie the Clown goes on to add, It's a horrible movie, and we'd like to distance ourselves from the subject of scary clowns. There's just so many horrible movies out there. Clowns that eat people or whatever. 
whatever. It takes people's minds in the wrong direction. We don't need it. It's bad. It's disgusting. No, it's harsh words there, Maddie. It is. And, you know, we know a clown. We do. We have our own official clown. <laughs> Christy Bumble's a killer clown. Um, he is a local legend around the Seattle area, and he is our resident terrifying clown. <laughs> I think it's a little different for him. Yeah. But uh, we reached out to him, and he gave us some thoughts. Uh, I will read. No. Uh, He says, yo, T.O.D. I don't know if he meant that to mock you or not. Or maybe it was just a typo. T.O.D.? Well, T.O.D. and Skelly. I'm Skelly. What's the D stand for? I don't know. (laughs) It may have been a typo. I don't know. He's a busy clown. He has lots of things on his mind. Uh, he says, I heard you're looking for opinions on that piece of sh- I mean it. So first, I've been following this King guy for a long time. Matter of fact, I was the first to call him out as a hack. He produces this slop and no one will turn it into a movie for like a decade. It's that bad. And the first take that someone spent a few bucks on as a show ran on forever. Like eight hours long. Worse than Dune. <laughs> so let's see if we can take the same source material. First, cut the crap out of it, out of it to fit into two measly hours. Next, oust Curry, the only good thing about the original, and replace him with a Max Shrek wannabe who's already proven he can't act his way out of a halfway decent monster in three seasons of a show that he starred in. He's talking about Hemlock Grove. I got it. <laughs> uh... Oh, by the way, dress him up. Let's make him really scary by giving him a pinafore. <laughs> um, all those care, all those killer clowns that decided to show themselves last year was probably just a cleverly timed ad campaign, uh, same as the first time it happened before the book was released. Which I was not aware of. Yeah, it's news to me. Um, I tell you, made me fear for my life that news was filled with, with rednecks arming up and proclaiming that clown season was not open. It's going to be a shit show for sure, but I'll probably have to see it just to defend my reputation publicly again. So, Krusty's not a fan, it sounds like. <laughs> like I said, it's a little bit different for him because he's a killer clown. Right. So he wants to be a scary clown already. Yeah, I mean, I, I asked him if he thought that these party clowns need to basically lighten up and you know, take, a, take a joke, essentially. Seems like he thinks that... It, uh, it it sounds like he thinks that it just as itself is being basically just monetized. I mean, they're take, taking a classic piece of work and turning it into slop. He almost seems like like it's the he has the opposite mindset of these other clowns, where they're like people are going to take these happy clowns and think they're scary, and he's like, well, no, people are going to take these scary clowns and think they're funny, right? Like they're making a mockery out of my terrible clownness. This is my bread and butter. And, you know, something he touched on that we haven't talked about yet was all these, you know, scary clowns that were fucking coming out of the woods in Virginia or wherever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, stealing children, doing God knows what, sticking fingers in their butts and stuff. Doing butt stuff. <laughs> yeah. That, and I think that is like a bigger issue for these clowns than really than it. Because it is a, you know, fictional characters. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if 
if your if your career can be that threatened by something that is fantasy, then maybe find a new career. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, people were scared of clowns before the book came out, so it's it's not like this is a new phenomenon, and it's not like people are going to see you and go, "Oh my God, it's Pennywise!" Right. Unless you look, unless like you look like Pennywise, in which you need a new outfit because that looks like fucking dog shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah uh, Stephen King responded. I don't know if it was specifically to Tickles and Maddie, but he spoke to, of course, Mang, Mangs, Mangs. <laughs> hey, Mang, to Maine's Banger Daily News. He said, "When I wrote my novel, it I said Pennywise. Start over. <laughs> when I wrote my novel, it Check I said it in Banger because it's a town with a tough and violent history." I chose Pennywise the Clown as the face, which the monster originally shows the kitties, because kids love clowns, but they also fear them. Clowns with their white faces and red lips are so different and so grotesque compared to normal people. Take a little kid to the circus and show him a clown. He's more apt to scream with fear than laugh. Which is basically what I was saying. Yeah. I mean, clowns are fucking terrifying. Yeah. See, I mean, I think that's why um, like someone like Krusty is living the good life, because he plays on that fear yeah chlorophobia which is apparently not like a medically real like recognized term really yeah which I, don't, I don't know where it came from but it's not like in like actually like genuine phobias like recognized by the medical community that's not one of them i'll be damned you will be damned that's you will too we're all damned damned <laughs> We we're fucking fucked. So, uh, yeah, fucking clowns, man. <laughs> Freak me out. Clowns. Well, that's going to do it for horror business. Indeed. So, uh, still no word from Mr. Nizgoda. Nothing from Kevin. So, uh, I guess without further ado, we'll just move on to some reviews. Doo doo. Doo. I can say doo doo. Without further doo doo, <laughs> let's do some movie reviews. Alright, so reviews, reviews, reviews. Two movies. Um, which one are you going to start with? Uh, let's start with 1986's From Beyond. Every journey begins in the mind. A flight of imagination. A vision of what might lie across the universe. Or within the deepest regions of the subconscious. Dr. Edward Pretorius is about to embark on such a journey. It's out of control. You've got to turn it off. Something's coming. What the hell is that? I'm going to kiss you. (laughs) Let it happen, Crawford. (gasps) 
has such easy prey. From the makers of Reanimator, from beyond. So, uh, yes, from beyond, a Stuart Gordon joint, produced by Brian Yuzna, starring Jeffrey Combs, of course, <laughs> because it's based on an H.P. Uh, Lovecraft story. Um, also starring uh, Barbara Crampton and Ken Foray. Is it Foray? Fair Foray? I've heard both. I don't know that I've actually heard him say it. So I don't... You know, he was a Crypticon a couple I... years ago, and I wish he would have said his name so I could know definitively how to say it. I, I feel like he did. Did he? Now that I think about it, I think, cause I think I remember him talking about his grandma. I think he said Foray. All right, let's go with that. Hey, what's he going to do? He's not listening. He's going to be a Crypticon. He'll be a Crypticon again. We can ask him. Yeah, Crypticon in, uh, well, it'll be a week and two days when you're hearing this. Yep, we'll be there. We will. And you'll be square. Losers. Sad. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so From Beyond, based on H.P. Lovecraft, short story of the same name. Uh, Slightly different than the story, though. A little bit. Um, In that uh, there's two characters opposed to the story where there's one. Um, Crawford Tillingist, uh, played by Jeffrey Combs, was actually the antagonist, I guess you'd call him that. Um, in the story, the, there was a Dr. Edward Pretorius character that was not in the short story, um, basically took the role of Tillingist. Um, Tillinghast, they say it two different ways in the movie. You see Tillinghast and Tillingist. Oh, I don't know who's talking, I guess. Yeah. Um, they got an accent. Barbara Crampton said Cotillionist. Hmm. Did I say she was in this? Yes, she did. Okay. Um, anyway, so basically, uh, Telegist and Pretorius, they are two scientists that have been working on what they call the resonator, which um, will use a magnetic field to create a certain resonance that will basically open... Uh, it stimulates the pineal gland. Uh, pineal gland? Pineal gland. You know, it stimulates my pineal gland. Hot guys. Barbara Crampton's tits. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Duffman. Duffman. <laughs> I started laughing in the middle. You do see them in this movie. You do. Ever so briefly. Let's go to, Sad. <laughs> let's go to text me. He's like, this chicken from Beyond's got nice tits for the eighties. I was like, "It's fucking Barbara Crampton, man." She had the tits of the eighties. <laughs> this movie feels like it starts in the middle. Like it just kind of starts, and you're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> had you seen this before? Yes, but it's been a really long time. Okay, this is one of my favorite movies from when I was a kid. When I was a kid. <laughs> this is not a, a movie for kids. Oh no, not at all. There's Barbara Crampton in leather bondage gear. Yeah, and, you know, just dealing with some really fucked up themes. Um, penal glands. <laughs> so the resonator... By the way, spoilers ahead. This movie's old enough to, for us to spoil. Yeah, it's so probably older, older than a lot of our listeners, so... Probably. <laughs> uh, I think... Wait, what year is this? 86. Okay, so it's older than both... Or younger than both of us. <laughs> Not just... <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> so, anyway, so... Tellingist and Pretorius, they've been working. Good. Just, it looks 
<laughs> you were stroking your mic stand. <laughs> no, I was playing with the springs. <laughs> um, God damn it. Am I distracting you? Yes. Okay. I'm going to start over now. I'm going to start over again because of you. Everyone, <laughs> Everyone think Taylor. You need to be more focused. <laughs> it's hot in here. Go on. <laughs> anyway, okay, so the resonator, magnetic field, stimulates pineal gland, opens up what is essentially a sixth sense. Like you can, it allows you to see into a different dimension. <laughs> a fucking terrifying dimension that is, uh, seems to be exclusively populated by um, eels, flying eels, flying jellyfish, and giant fucking tooth snakes from like Star Wars. Yeah. Like it looks like the, the pit. Thing. And things that look like uh, what the guy turns into. Right. Um, anyway, so. It starts out with telling us he's, he's working at this ancient computer, just very deep in thought, and just typing code into this computer. Clackety, clackety, clack. Like an Apple II or some shit. Um, and then flashing on the screen on this on this fucking black and green DOS screen, it says, ready. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All my hard work. Enter. Now, now I'm finally ready. <laughs> So he runs downstairs and tells Dr. Pretorius that it's um, that the machine is ready. <laughs> uh, he says the resonator's working. You can check it out. So at first, Pretorius is like, yeah, you're full of shit. We can't get that caveat thing to work. That old hunk of junk. And then he's like, no, I swear, it's working. <laughs> okay. So he goes up to the attic where the lab is. Um, and... This house looks like something out of like a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Um, we go up to the attic, uh, and Pretorius turns on the resonator. Uh, the, these essentially like resonating, these tuning forks essentially start. Um, they, they start glowing pink, um, which I guess means that they're working, resonating. <laughs> um, <laughs> like flux capacitor, fluxing. fluxing. Um, and they both kind of start acting like they're getting migraines. Yeah. Um, but, oh, sorry, I guess, I guess, uh, Tillingus had already tested the machine. I, I spaced the lock that part out. Um, then he got bit in the face by one of the flying eels. Yeah. Um, and he turns it on, again, with Pretorius there, he turns it on again, and, um, we don't know what happens. Like basically it jumps across this jumps across the street to the, to the neighbor who is basically the neighbor from bewitched. <laughs> uh, what's a, um, something like shit. What was it? Beaver's name. Uh, I don't know. This is haberdasher. It's probably, probably not it. Can we talk real briefly about how their address is six, six, six benevolent street? Yeah. Like how ham fisted is that? Right. <laughs> I don't think that was in the original story. His Kravitz, that's who it was. That's what I said. Right. Everyone <laughs> We're all witnesses. Um, and she's like, Abner, Abner, the neighbors. Uh, but Abner's the police. Yeah. 
She's talking to the police. She said, if there are any, you said if there were any more disturbances, you would send a squad car. Well, I am disturbed. <laughs> um, but then, uh, what's the dog's name? Pickles? Uh, Bunny. Bunny. Pickles. Pickles. Close. <laughs> Pickles. Cunt pickle. <laughs> so she uh, chases after the dog, and it just so happens that the front door is open. So we didn't leave the front door open. Uh, especially a creepy ass neighborhood like that. Um, she goes inside after Bunny, and that's when Crawford comes barreling down the stairs and runs past her. Um, and that's when the cops just so happen to show up and they arrest Crawford. And yeah, for what? What for what? Disturbing. They literally just like Ms. grab Crawford. him as he's trying to run away. They grab him and, like, throw him against the hood of the car and cuff him. Well, you know... They, they never read him his rights. They say, if you don't want to get shot, don't run. Well, yeah. I mean, he did try to get out of their grip, but... Yeah. But they didn't read him his rights. A good, lawyer, a good lawyer could get him off. Me? Not, like, get him off. <laughs> get him off. <laughs> no, Barbara Crampton wants to get him off. Indeed she does. Oh, yeah. Once her penal gland gets stimulated. <laughs> So he get, but like the 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 windows in the attic start shattering out from, you know, we're seeing this from the outside. We don't exactly know what's causing it, but uh, Crawford's arrested, and then we go upstairs and we find Bunny, who's feeding on the next stump of Doctor Pretorius. Um, jump to this this um, psych. Is it, is it a regular hospital or is it an actual psychiatric hospital? I think it's a psychiatric hospital. Okay, so... Because they kept talking about people being schizophrenic. Right. So, we jumped there. Crawford's been taken there, and... Um, I shouldn't put that name since my character names. Fucking useless. It's true. You are. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. <coughs> I'm trying to remember Barbara Crampton's character. Yes. Catherine McMichaels. She is a very well-known psychologist... Um, and she has come to the site. Who is a psychiatric ward? That's what we said. No, that actually is what we said. You said it was a psychiatric hospital. Oh, hospital ward. Okay. Same difference. Um, she has caught word of Crawford's situation, so she came to basically scope it out. Um, her doctor, or Crawford's doctor at the hospital um, is kind of a bitch. Yeah. She just like gives like a like a side uh, side comp or no backhand backhand compliment. That's what it is. Side handed. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Chop to the throat. Followed by a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> you look really nice today. <laughs> Why did you do that? It's a karate chop sandwich. <laughs> Ja! I like your hat. Ja! <laughs> I can't breathe. But thank you. <laughs> oh, so off track. We're never gonna get through this movie. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> um. So yeah, basically, Bar- Barbara Crampton's character, uh, Doctor Michael, she wants to uh, try to find out what happened to Doctor Pretorius. Obviously, Car- Crawford's the only one that knows. Um, so she orders a CAT scan because uh, she thinks that he may legitimately be 
schizophrenic or um, otherwise insane. And they, that's when they discover that his penile gland uh, has uh, enlarged. <laughs> it's, it's become engorged. It's engorged. <laughs> It's swelling. <laughs> it's filling with blood. But no, where whereas the pineal gland uh, typically seems like a mostly dormant. They kept saying pineal in the movie. I, I think it's interchangeable. That's dumb. Words um, are words. Make a decision. Stick to it. Um, they his 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 doctor thinks that he has a tumor. Like his his um, pineal gland had been developed a tumor that may be causing some psychological disturbance. Um, but Dr. Uh, Dr. McMichaels, or Catherine, she says that I don't think it's a tumor. It looks like the, the pineal gland has actually grown and it's actually growing through to the frontal cortex. Um, and that's when they discussed the, the, you know, the pineal gland has been, sometimes been discussed as uh, like a, a sixth sense or you know, second sight. Um, third eye, they call it one point. Right. Um, so that's when she goes to talk, or she speaks to Crawford, and um, I think it was the, the district attorney, or the ADA maybe. Um, she she convinces him that Crawford may not be, or he may be um, innocent. Uh, that it's possible that claims he's making could be real. So this, I, like I said, I think he's an ADA or assistant district attorney, releases him into her custody. And that's when they meet up with Bubba, played by Kim Forey. Is Bubba in the original story? I doubt it. I doubt it too, because H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft was kind of a huge racist. Well, yeah, but he, I mean, if the character was in there, he probably would. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Bubba, uh, he's, he's, he's a cop. He's a detective. He's a detective. And a former football player. Um, just a little... For some there. reason. He's, yeah. Just a little depth, character depth, I guess. Um, and he's going with them to basically monitor um, Crawford, make sure that he doesn't lose it and you know things go sideways. <clears throat> on Catherine, but they return to the house. He's the muscle. Yeah, basically. Um, they return to the house, and that's when Catherine sees the resonator. Um, we discovered there he's. Or we are told that Crawford knocked off one of the prongs. Um, he we broke down the machine with a with an axe. Um. And somehow Catherine talks him into repairing it. Like even though he knows the kind of bad shit that comes out of it, she says, "Oh, I think maybe we should fix it." And he's like, "All right, <laughs> okay, okay." So he works on it, um, and I like how like when she first pulls him out of the psych ward. She's like, he tells her, you know, like, oh, I destroyed it. It's completely irreparable. And then he fixes it in like 15 minutes. He's like, okay, I repaired it. He's just like, let's get some duct tape. <laughs> there you go. That's that's good enough. <laughs> <coughs> um, 
Um, well, we also discovered that uh, Dr. Pretorius was kind of a sexual deviant. Yeah. He's into fucking whips and chains. Yes, and sure. Like, he's got, I don't know if it was his bedroom. I don't think so. I think it was just like a sex dungeon. Yeah. Like, yeah, just chains and whips and chains and swinging things. Right. Uh, just a giant picture of a woman's crotch on the wall. And a video of him, like, whipping this girl from behind, just apparently playing. Right. Uh, boobies number one. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Bon- boner jams. Boner jams. <laughs> 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 um, but no, those are just the first boobies. Oh. I thought you were saying, like, the tape was called boobies one. No. That would be funny. <laughs> He's got like a box that's like boobies one, boobies two, <laughs> boobies eight. Um, so Crawford repairs the machine or the resonator and um, they turn it on because, of course, like. Well, yeah. they got to know. <laughs> got to know what? If Crawford's, if Crawford's crazy or not. I just don't. I think I'd rather just stay there. Psych hospital and expose the world to that because <laughs> that's well, a fucking nightmare. The thing that got me about this scene is he's like, "Okay, I'm going to stand right here, and if it, as soon as it comes on, I'm going to turn it off." Yeah, and then it comes on, and he just stands there and he lets it keep going. Well, because she starts rubbing up on him. She's they don't want to rub up; they just look at each other passionately, so passionately. so deep in each other's eyes, so deep inside. Yeah. Then apparently, like the machine keeps going because she just keeps getting randy, even yeah. when the machine's not on. Yeah, she got that lady boner. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's just skin, Steven. Um, <laughs> God, what is our show? Um, the same thing it ever was. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, she's getting hot. And then, who comes out of the darkness but Dr. Pretorius? Darkness! Uh, with his head. He got his head back. So, you know, good for him. My favorite line in the movie is, it ate his head like a gingerbread <laughs> man! <laughs> he was so intense about it, too. Oh, Jeffrey Coves, I love you. <laughs> um, if you want to talk to us, I'm going to mention that. I'm going to mention it. You know, put him on blast, man. Come on. He doesn't listen to this fucking show. You don't know. Maybe he'll be on iTunes and he'll be like, oh, from beyond. Listen to that review. <laughs> well, it doesn't change anything. He didn't talk to us. But in truth, we did ask him and he politely said no thank you. So, yeah. so, there, so there's the full story. It wasn't like he was like, <laughs> jog on. <laughs> it was, actually, I think we talked about that on that episode. We might have. Yeah, so it, was the, it was the last day and he was worn out. Yeah. Anyway, um, something you said. <laughs> um, so lost my train of thought, and uh, she was wearing leather. Uh, she was only wearing a leather thong. That wasn't it yet. That didn't happen yet. But we need to get through this. We don't. Want... <laughs> You're doing that thing where you talk through the whole movie. <laughs> okay, so yeah, basically the machine it keeps getting turned on because each time. Each time it does get turned on, um, she gets turned she on. She gets turned on, and she actually mentions that, like, 
Uh, they're talking about like the effects that it had on them. Because <laughs> Bubba says, does that explain the heart on I got? Yeah. And then she says that like there's a connection between the pineal gland and the penile gland. <laughs> the pineal gland. Um, but yeah, every time, every time she turns it on, she seems to forget more of herself, I guess. Um, and yeah, eventually she, she, she goes too far. And every time she turns it on, Pretorius comes back and he becomes more and more of a monster. Right. Um, and it, it turns, he, he starts basically becoming this thing that came out, which was bit, what bit off his head. Is that what was in the basement? No, that was like just something else. A sandworm. Yeah, because they're the Crawford and Bubba. They try to go down to the the power box to cut off the power because they they can't get to the resonator, um, because like Pretorius is just blocking the way and they don't want to fuck with that. <laughs> so, so they go down to the basement. It's filled with water and this giant fucking snake, like, with just filled with teeth. So many teeth. And it apparently eats Cartwright's hair. Crawford. Crawford's hair. Yeah, she like he, it starts to swallow him whole. And that's when Bubba grabs the power in his in his tidy in his little tiny speedos. Yeah, you you pretty much see Ken Forey's dick. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. You like see you, you see the, the whole outline. Yeah. Very distinct because he's he's wearing brown underwear, <laughs> wearing like brown speedos, and then they get wet. Right, and they're very clean. It appears. Yes, um, but he pulls the power, power cables out of the power box, and so everything shuts down, including up in the, up in the uh, attic where Pretorius was basically <laughs> he had sprouted this bug head um, that was trying to eat Catherine, um, and the half-swallowed Crawford falls to the ground because the water, the snake, the worm, whatever the fuck it was, all disappeared. And yeah, he's completely bald. No, no hair, no eyebrows, nothing. Yeah, I actually had to rewind because I was like, wait, why is he bald now? <laughs> I have to assume that the snake took his hair with it. Oh, okay. That's only rational. I don't have a better explanation, yeah. so... So um, they take him up to the sex room because <laughs> the, the best place for him, I guess. That was that was kind of his makeshift bedroom. That's where he'd been sleeping before, too. Yeah, but he's now he's very seriously injured. <laughs> take him to a real bed. Fair enough. <laughs> or at least a couch. Yeah, very good point. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's covered in bruises. She's putting some kind of salve on him, um, and she says, I'm sorry, because she was getting so hot over Pretorius, even though he's a monster. Um, and that's when Bubba says, basically, we're getting the fuck out of here. And so he goes, and that's when she, he tells her to get dressed, and that's when she gets dressed up in leather. What's up? Nothing. Um, I just I liked the line where he was like, "I told you to get dressed." She was like, "I did." Yeah, it was funny because like I said it before she did. <laughs> yeah, well, he's outside. He's she's trying to jerk him off. Yeah, rape Crawford basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he did like I think he was playing coy. I think he's like, <laughs> throw it on purpose. 
Yeah, it's like she reaches down his pants and fondles, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> fondles his dick. And then she gets on top of him and starts grinding. And that's when Bubba comes back. But then, like, she she gets up and he, like, she grabs her by the arms and shows her in the mirror. He's like, look at yourself. Is this who you want to be? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who I am. And that's when Crawford wakes up because the um, resonator has turned itself on. Um. And then what does he say? He says, wait, do you hear that? He says, he's trying to turn on the machine from beyond. <laughs> <laughs> he said it. Um, yeah. Uh, so they basically get in this battle. Bubba gets eaten by flies. Right. Um, and so they, they go to the hospital because Robert's very up. Um, but then he escapes from custody and goes back to the house. And um, Catherine follows him, and they're trying. He's basically trying to destroy the machine, but he can't. And then he, which like, is weird because he already destroyed it once. He, he just keeps destroying it, and it just keeps coming back together. It's like I think maybe you need to just like dismantle this thing and take the pieces somewhere else. Because they keep, they keep taking it apart and just leaving the shit in the attic. It's like, drive it 20 miles away, or just drive like one crucial piece away. And set it on fire. Yeah. Or fucking melt it down into nothing. Problem solved. Yeah. Because apparently, it can't work without all of its pieces. It needs all the pieces in order to operate and all the pieces are just sitting right there. That's how most machines work. Yeah. I mean, except for, like, you know, things you have to put together, and there's always one extra screw you can't explain. Yeah. Like, when my old landlord would fix my car, he'd be, I'd be like, what's this? He'd be like, that's a superfluous piece. And I'm like, no, no. It was there before. You put that back where you found it. <laughs> I don't know what it is, so I want it in there. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, so they, they, they're both in the house, and Pretorius comes back, and now he's like this weird bipedal, no, not bipedal, um, quadruped, quadrupedal, quadrupedal, is that a thing? Is that a thing? Yep. Okay. Is now. Um, with this fucking head that bounces around on a stalk, and his he's got like this little dick thing hanging out of his forehead. Uh, basically looks like an elongated... Crawford had it at that point, too. Huh? Yeah, it's the peony. It's all like... <laughs> yeah. It had sprouted out of his head. Um, for, thank you. I don't need that anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, it had sprouted out of his head because it had been so overstimulated. <laughs> the penile gland had been so overstimulated that it shot out of the head. <laughs> That'll happen. <laughs> it will happen. Um, and it just kind of dances around like a fucking cobra in a wicker basket. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, then that's when his doctor at the hospital, you know, like the bitch doctor, she's like trying to grab it with a pair of tongs. Yeah, she's it's like, like <laughs> just prairie dog it. Um, and then he starts eating brains, and he's like, fuck, yeah, sucking them through people's eyeballs. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck is happening to me? Yeah. So he goes, that's when he goes back to the house and uh, Catherine follows him. Um, and Pretorius eats his head. 
turns yeah he turns into this weird bug bat type thing um, because a bug bat huh? a bug bat yeah because he just has this endless amount of forms I guess apparently one for every necessity um, and they yeah he flies down the stairs and this is like when uh, Crawford's just like. I'm not going to let you stop me again. And then this thing just flies down the stairs and eats his fucking head. <laughs> it's like, well, I think that did it. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, Catherine, she, oh, she puts uh, a bundle of dynamite with a timer. Where's she got fucking dynamite? <laughs> Do you know where to get dynamite? Uh, nope. Me neither. <laughs> Apparently, if you're a psych doctor, you know, you know a guy. Um, and she puts it on the resonator, um, and it gets down to like 30 seconds and she's still trying to get out of the house. So she straight jumps out the window, uh, because Crawford sprouts out of Pretorius's head and then gets sucked back in. And then Crawford, like, because his old head was destroyed, uh, Pretorius grows another head. It's just this endless cycle of heads. It's all the head. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so Catherine, because the dynamite's about to explode, jumps out of the attic window, gets, like, fractures her legs. She gets, like, a compound fracture. Um, and basically everything is dead. Yep. Crawford's dead. Bella's dead. She says, it ate him. <laughs> yep. And then starts laughing. Yeah. Yeah, because Miss Kravitz comes over. I don't know her name. And she's like, Abner, Abner, what happened? And uh, she just starts laughing hysterically. And yep. Finn, roll credits. So, what do you think? It's entertaining. It's fucking weird. It is fucking weird. I mean, what do you expect from a fucking Lovecraft story? Well, yeah. Especially when it's directed by Stuart Gordon. That too. But, I mean, this definitely had, like, the same feel as, like, uh, Reanimator. Reanimator. Um, and it helped that it had Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton both. Um, but, yeah. I mean, they took their fair share of liberties with the story. They did. Um, the the original story, for the most, for starters, was told from a third-person perspective by, like, unnamed character and the story was about Crawford but he was more in like the role of Dr. Pretorius yeah so there was also no sex dungeon right I think that was Stuart Gordon <laughs> it's just an excuse to see Barbara Crampton's tits yeah So you already said this was one of your favorites. Yeah. Growing up, does it does it hold up? Um, it's it's really fucking cornball. I mean, and I know that. I think I have for years. Mm. Uh, it kind of creeped me out when I was a kid, just because everything was fucking slimy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> everything is slimy. That's a fact. So wet. Everything was just wet, just drippy, wet and gay and French and on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I mean, the creature effects were pretty impressive. I thought for '86, yeah. yeah, especially. I mean, not so I, much the like when when it flies down the stairs. That was kind of bad. That was pretty bad. 
but the you know the makeup effects for Pretorius were, were, were pretty good. Yeah, and I mean when Crawford's pineal gland starts poking out of his forehead, uh, I mean he's got a bald head at that point, so it's like they didn't really have the luxury of like hair kind of covering something up. So I mean you could tell what they did. They basically put like an apparatus on his head, I assume with some air hoses and stuff to make the thing poke out or you know, maybe wires that were off operated off camera by a puppeteer. But this bald cap, the skull cap that they put on him just looked enormous. It yeah. Looked like his cranium had grown. You know, exponentially. Grown three sizes that day. <laughs> he kind of almost looked like a Cleon. Kind of. Let's um, go to send me a link for melon heads. Are you familiar with these? I uh, do. No. Basically think like Jason when he was a kid. Okay. He was like, this is this is what uh, Crawford reminds me of. <laughs> All right. Which, yeah, I can see that. Sure. Um... Yeah, but um, I I have fun with this movie every time I watch it. I mean, it's like uh, uh, spacing out his name. The main actor, Jeffrey Combs. Thank you. What the hell? Uh, Jeffrey Combs and Robert Crampton. Um, a little over the top at times, but I mean, I think you must expect that from. I mean, Ken Ford is a little bit over the top of time. Well, too. sure. I think that's his MO, though. <laughs> yeah. But it's enjoyable, I think. Um, I still like watching it. Um, and, you know, we said last episode that I still haven't picked a movie for this episode. Mm. Um, and I actually just picked this one last night because I, I had Beaster Day picked originally. Um, and if you aren't one of our Patreon patrons, don't watch that. It's, <laughs> Even if you are one of our Patreon patrons, don't watch it. <laughs> well, it's like I wanted to come up with a movie because, you know, last Sunday was, uh, well, maybe two Sundays ago now, when you're listening to this, but from the past where we're recording, last Sunday was Easter. So I figured, you know, watch something to kind of celebrate that, but it's really bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it was, it was painful to watch. And, like, I thought at first, it's like, you know, you know, whatever. But have some fun with this. Just rip it apart for half an hour. The more I thought about it, I'm like, no, it's just so bad. Like, I really don't have anything to say about it. Um, and then I picked uh, another one, which I might try and fit into a different episode at some point. So, okay. well, maybe. We'll see. Um, but then I watched The Void, which is going to be the next movie we talk about. Um, and this one seemed to have a lot of similar themes. I, I definitely get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, I'm, I'm sitting there watching the void. I'm like, God, this reminds me a lot of from beyond. That's what we were watching. That, that's going to be a second movie. So, um, yeah. What do you think? It's, you know, it's cheesy. It's, it's campy, but it's fun. Um, it definitely is very dated. Oh yeah. But good creature effects. Yes, the acting's over the top, but it's like it's all over the top, so it kind of evens out. Yeah. It's not like one person is so over the top that it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Just everybody's over the top. 
So it's just that's just it. How it is. Everybody's yeah. over the top. It's very extreme emotions and reactions. Yeah, <laughs> across the board. <clears throat> but it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I enjoy it every time I watch it. Um, I don't take it as seriously as I did when I was a kid. Naturally, yeah. Um, but I still just think it's fucking hilarious. I was watching this movie before I was like ten. Like I can't remember exact time of the, the exact age I first watched it, but it was definitely before ten years old. Yeah, that probably shouldn't have happened. Probably not. But it's like my dad just had this cabinet of VHSs that he probably recorded off of HBO or something. And you just see things like from beyond. Could be cool. <laughs> just pop it in. You know, as a kid, I woke up at like six in the morning to watch cartoons, but. Cartoons are over. Mom and Dad's slurring away. Let's find a movie to watch. Anyway, so um, numbers six. I'm gonna give it seven. All right. Maybe there's a nostalgia factor in there. That's probably a big part of it, at least. But um, yeah, like I said, I still have fun with it. Yeah, even it's corny. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Quite. Moving on, uh, we're going to talk about the just fairly recently released, I think about a month ago or so now. Uh, It's called The Void. Haven't you ever wished to save someone beyond saving? No matter what the cost. This is uncharted territory. The body has to adjust, of course. We weren't built for this kind of thing. You'd be surprised at the things you find when you go looking. There is something calling them all here. What if those people get in here? What are we supposed to do? You saw it? What was that? So the void, uh, or the coin, as I just typed it, that is not the name. That's not even a word. Could be a word. What does it mean? Um, sandwich. No. Why not? Because sandwich already means sandwich. But there are multiple words that mean the same thing, Taylor. They're no. called synonyms. No, I don't like that at all. Vetoed. <laughs> Coin 2017. Hashtag. <laughs> I know coitus. That's a thing. No, not C-O-I-T. C-O-I-D. But still. Coitus. Yeah. Right? So The Void. Not with each other. No, no. <laughs> the Void uh, starts out with just some shit just going south right away. One of our neighbors up north, eh? Yeah. From some, some Canadian gentleman. Some folks. Uh, yeah, starts out just... Right off the bat, shit's going crazy. Uh, you see this couple run out of this farmhouse. The guy just takes off, just leaves the girl behind, <laughs> just says, sorry, bye. <laughs> uh, she she gets capped just right off the bat. Boom. Right in between the shoulder blades. 
and then they set her on fire. These two dudes. Yeah, just a guy and his son. Don't know why. No. And then, uh, th- and then the, the the opening credits roll, and you're just going, "What the fuck am I into? Yeah. <laughs> what the shit is happening?" And so, you know, right off the bat, you know, something crazy's going on. Then we're introduced to uh, the local sheriff, uh, Daniel Carter, played by Aaron Poole. Why do I recognize him? I don't know. Did you think he was Aaron Paul? Because <laughs> no. he kind of looks and sounds like Aaron Paul, and his name sounds like Aaron Paul. But he's not Aaron He's Paul. Aaron Poole. <laughs> he's the Canadian he's Aaron Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Knock off Aaron Paul. He's like the generic brand. Walmart brand. Walmart brand of Aaron Paul, imported from Canada. Let's give him some credit. He's the Costco brand. <laughs> he uh, he sees this guy come stumbling out of the woods, and he sees that he's all he's all fucked up, and so he decides to take him to the the nearest hospital, which just happens to be Marsh County Hospital, which Daniel seems none too interested in going to. You don't really know why. He's like, you know, what about this other hospital? And dispatch is like, no, that's an extra 20 minutes. It's too far. 20 minutes, whatever. But so he goes to this Marsh hospital and you find out that there was a fire there and they're moving. Right. So they just had the skeleton crew of three nurses and one doctor. You know, um, reality check. I think if there's a fire in a hospital, they don't just say, okay, let's go to a different hospital. <laughs> they say, okay, well, we're going to cordon off that area and we're rebuild it back up usually yes yeah. that's how things work most of the time unless they just like we're already going to move yeah. and they just you know stuff burned and they're like well let's write that off <laughs> it's like oh we got all this money to build a new hospital because money just grows on trees and we got a big insurance settlement probably a setup we're looking at the board members so anyways uh <laughs> this hospital like i said there's three nurses uh, Bev, Allison, and um, Nurse Knives Chow. Was that her? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. And she's all grown up. Yeah. She's like my age. What? No. I think she's 32. That's my age. <laughs> it's one fucking year different. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> What a, I'm going to uncover you as a liar. Just keep talking. What, about her age? No, about the movie. Meanwhile, I'm going to f- prove you as a liar. How? What am I lying about? <laughs> Ellen Wong, born 1984 or 1985. No one knows. Wait, is that what Wikipedia says? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, all right, then she is my age. Right. She, she looks so young. In yeah, she does. Room. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say something vaguely racist. It's okay. I can cut it out or tell you I'm going to cut it out and then I'll cut it out. <laughs> so come to find out that Allison is actually Daniel's wife. and But they're clearly estranged, separated, something, not together. Do you recognize her? No. She's from uh, uh, Survival of the Dead. Oh, really? Yeah, one of the horses. Oh. This fucking stupid zombie that eats horses. I guess I tried to forget about that movie. Yeah, that's pretty 
Well, she doesn't eat horses. That's what it was. The other zombies eat horses. Goodbye, horses. But yeah, they uh, they so that that's why Daniel didn't want to go there is because Allison, this is a strange wife, and you find out that the whole reason his wife <laughs> it doesn't work. No, the whole reason they're separated or estranged or whatever the fuck they are, it's never really clearly explained. But the reason is because they lost their child. I wasn't really clearly explained if it was like a stillbirth or if she had a miscarriage or what the scenario was. I got the impression that she that it was like stillbirth. Some, something went wrong in the birthing process. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Dr. Powell, who was the lone doctor who Twin Peaks fans might recognize as um, the fucking killer guy. God, what the fuck was his name? What was the killer guy? Yeah. Wyndham. Wyndham Earl. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, he, you know, says, tells him I lost my daughter too, so I know. She really wants you to know because he tells you several times throughout the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very big plot point that he lost his daughter. You, you need to understand that. I don't think it's a spoiler to, to say what happened. So I think it's crucial to explaining the plot. I would agree. So, so I will not fault you for talking about that. Okay. Um, so there he, he takes, you know, he brings this kid into the hospital, says he needs some help, whatever. And there's, there's one other, um, patient in this hospital guy named cliff and at one point bev just goes crazy and stabs cliff in the eyeball with some scissors Mm -hmm. and then she turns around and come to find out that she used those same scissors to cut off her damn face yeah because it's not hers right it's not her face it's not her face uh so daniel has to cap her because she comes at him with some scissors plus the cap And then Daniel just like, he spends this entire movie just getting his ass kicked. Yeah, he really does. He's a fucking punching bag. He's supposed to be the hero, but he gets his ass handed to him regularly. Yeah. Like after he shoots her, he goes to the bathroom and he's, you know, trying to compose himself. Cause I guess it's probably the first time he's ever shot somebody maybe, but yeah, like his hands start shaking and he throws up and he passes out in the bathroom. That's like the best thing that happens to him in this movie. Well, like, they come find him and say that he had a seizure. I think I must have... My my attention was somewhere else, I think, during that part. Did he actually have a seizure? Not that they showed. Okay. They showed him, like, he was looking in the mirror, and, you know, the screen kind of vibrated. Mm-hmm. But then he just kind of passed out. Okay. So, they so he did pass out. Yeah, he did. Because I didn't remember seeing that, and then when I refocused my attention... Passed out on the floor. So, and then there's by the time he wakes up, the state trooper has arrived, and this guy's a real fucking piece of work. Yeah, this guy sucked so much. Yeah, he just like he's like he practically. I mean, not not literally, but he he like makes this entrance like he's kicking the door open. He's like, I'm in charge here. Yeah, and then he the whole time he's like, Oh my god, what a shit show. <laughs> and it's like one person is dead. Yeah, like it's not that big a deal. Well, he said there. No, he's he because he just came from that house. 
where there were a bunch of, a bunch of people dead. Was that what he was talking about? Yeah, yeah. He oh. said that there's like a like a, a massacre. <laughs> there's a goddamn massacre. Massacre. Um. Yeah. He. So he's worried about that, but it's like, it's like you got the guy. This can't be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, case solved. Right. But then uh, all of a sudden, these people in these hoods, it's all white costumes with hoods over their heads with black triangles over the eyes. You know, they look like they look like the Imperial Guard. Kind of, yeah. But in white instead of red. Yeah. <laughs> they show up and they just like surround the hospital. And it doesn't seem like they really want to attack them. They just want to make sure they stay in the hospital. Yeah. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, the, the guy and his kid from the beginning just show up and just, like, storm their way in. They're like, all right, we're here. Kick some ass and chew some bubble gum. But they want they want the kid, the guy that Daniel picked up. And it doesn't really explain why, though. No. And they, you know, it's there's a brief moment where they allude to something happening in the past because they show the kid has a wound on his neck. He's like, that's what happened to the last people that we trusted. Yeah, he, he's, he's mute, so I assume something happened. Like, he can't speak because of whatever that injury is. Yeah, but what, I don't know what, what this thing they're talking about is with the last people that they trusted. That's, that's never really explained. I, I was hoping maybe you saw something about that that I didn't. But it doesn't make any fun No, it feels like they have this backstory, but it's just kind of glazed over. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's a deleted scene or something, but... I was confused. Yeah. <laughs> but then this kid is, he grabs this other girl who was in the, the waiting room, this pregnant girl, holds a scalpel to her neck and says, you know, you're not taking me alive kind of shit. But just, you know, shit goes crazy. Daniel gets stabbed by these fuckers in the hoods. Cause again, he's just there to get his ass kicked mm-hmm. repeatedly. And then, and then, and then this guy hits him in the face with a fucking ax handle <laughs> He just he just gets the shit kicked kicked out of him on the reg. Yeah, it's like doesn't being a cop involve some kind of like self defense training, right? Like, don't you know how to stop this from happening <laughs> over and over and over again? Yeah, it's like even if you're not good at it, it seems like you'd have like the knowledge to just do like attempt to do something. Yeah, <laughs> so just fucking take it. But so uh, this kid kills the doctor, which I hope is not a spoiler. But- Fairly early in the movie. Yeah, like his his role in the rest of the movie is pretty important in the plot. The doctor? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you'd essentially have to stop explaining the movie now in order to avoid that. Yeah, and then that makes this sound like a terrible movie. Yeah. But so yeah, he kills <laughs> the doctor. And uh, I don't know if I'm going out of order here, but at one point Bev comes back to life. But as a weird monster beast thing with like tentacles coming out of her back and mm-hmm. weird something out of the thing. Yeah, there's a very very strong uh, influence from the thing yeah. in this. There's a lot of really really strong influences in this. Yeah, like I got like I said from Beyond the mm-hmm. thing and Event um, uh, Horizon. Okay, yeah. I also got Hellraiser. Okay, yeah. And The Beyond. I, I have not watched that yet. The Lucio Fulci one? Oh, wait. No, sorry. I can't say that. The end is very similar to Yeah, okay, yeah. 
which is, I guess, kind of a spoiler. Oops. Um, Unless you have not seen This is true. But yeah, so she comes back and she's this fucking monster thing, and she take, was, takes the trooper and, like, tries to absorb him almost, it seems like. The, 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 the form of the monster was really weird. It, it was, like, basically her body was, like, hanging from the front of it. Yeah, and like it's almost like the monster like grew out of her head and like out the back of her body. So it's like it's almost like her body is the head of the monster. <laughs> yeah, and it's just kind of dangling there like a fucking turkey neck or something. Yeah. Then yeah, like I said, it takes this trooper and it like jams some things in its eyes and tries to absorb him or kill him or whatever it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um you know, this also Lovecraft is also a pretty strong influence in this. Yeah, uh, mostly in in the creature design, a lot of tentacles, which of course is, is mm-hmm. always very reminiscent of Lovecraft. Loses his tentacles. Yeah, he does. He's dead. He's a dead guy. He's been dead. <laughs> um. Okay. So then they they're trapped in this hospital because all these you know these cult figures are all outside making sure they stay in. And so they head to the basement, which, according to Knives Child, does not exist. Right. And down there, there's just some crazy shit. That's where the whole movie just goes into total what-the-fuck territory. It's almost like they went to hell. Yeah. In fact, one guy even says, this is hell. Mm, yeah. Or we're in hell, or something like that. And down there, there's some monsters which it gets explained why they're there, but I don't want to give that away. But there's some pretty sweet-looking monsters down there. Yeah. I mean, they didn't... They really seemed like they pulled out all the stops with the creature effects of this. Yeah. And I don't know what the budget for this was, but I know it was an Indiegogo movie. Was it really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. And all practical effects... Um, I guess there, there was some, like, you know, digital alterations and stuff, but no CGI monsters. The monsters are all practical. Yeah. And all the... Uh, Effects are all practical. And, uh, nice. what's that? Nice. Noise. Um, how much can I say here? It's, it's revealed why there's all these monsters and why all of this stuff is happening. But you, you have to pay attention because it kind of goes all over the place. Yeah, and like, I feel like the plot kind of falls apart in not not the second half, but like maybe like the last quarter of the movie, the plot just kind of went. It it kind of just like not so much falls apart as just explodes because it gets crazy. Yeah, yes, and it's just like, wait. What now? Yeah. Now who's this now, and why is this happening? And I, I don't know how much I can say. Well, I mean, like I said, I think you have to mention the doctor. Yeah. Um. The 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 doctor is performing experiments to try and get his daughter back to life. Right. And he like the death of a child, like I've seen it, like I've seen the effects that the death of a child has on, on parents firsthand multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he he like he goes overboard. <laughs> that's that's an understatement. Like he uh, like he wants his daughter back desperately, and he goes to an insane degree to to do so. Um, and it seems like he he wants her back by any means necessary. Yeah, and it, it really doesn't matter. And like I said, he's performing these experiments that more or less will either reverse death or just like stop. It'll, they'll heal death. Right. And uh, that was kind of what happened with Bev was that she was part of this experiment. And so she, she came back to life, but it was as this fucking monster thing. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, these people in these white robes are basically like this cult. And that's, that's something that just didn't make sense to me. Like this guy, he's, he's a fucking small town doctor. Like he's not like some like world renowned brain surgeon or something. He's just a fucking doctor that works at some no name hospital in some no name town. That's why it seemed a little absurd to me. The, the feeling I got was that the hospital itself was important. That like the basement of the hospital is this alternate dimension or void or whatever it is, and 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 so he is able to use the powers of this alternate dimension, and that's why he's able to control this cult. Yeah, I mean, I guess he does say at one point, "It's like uh, my say followers, my peeps." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure he doesn't say my peeps. He might say my peeps. That's my squad. Al- that's the ultimate squad. <laughs> my fam. Hashtag squad goals. <laughs> he says they're they're ready to assume their new form or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, yeah, but shit just gets cray. Bananas. Like it goes fucking off the wall. All because this dude is trying to bring his daughter back to life. Yeah. Like, there are fucking world-ending implications in this fucking movie. And, like, dude doesn't care. He just wants his daughter back. Yeah. It's like, calm down there, Tom Jane. <laughs> so, arrested. I got it. Did you? Yeah. Because I told you. <laughs> Fuck off. <clears throat> so. It's fucking wild. And... I don't know. I mean, are you, are you are you done with the plot? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Can't really give away too much more. Yeah, like I said, this this got to a point where things just got a little too wacky or wacky. Um, uh, and I don't know. I mean, the movie as a whole was pretty good. Uh, it was it was enjoyable. Like the creature effects were good. There was good acting. Um, I'd say 75% of the plot was good. Um, but then at the end, it's just like, what the fuck is even happening? This is getting insane. Like, like this is getting beyond the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to say that it was convoluted because it wasn't like there was like too much story. Yeah. It's just that the story went so crazy in several different directions 
yeah, the story that was there just it it didn't fit together. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, it's kind of this isolation horror because they're trapped in this hospital. Yeah. But at the same time, they're like, they travel to this other dimension. Right. So that kind of takes it away from the isolation part. But there's, and there's also these like cosmic elements. Yeah. It's crazy. There's a lot going on. Yeah. It's fucking bonkers. Uh, and like, I, I had a hard time following it at certain points mm-hmm. just because it's like, I'm just trying to figure out what the hell is happening and how it works with what I just saw 10 yeah. minutes ago. That's things. Even like when you're like, okay, I understand what's going on. I don't remember how we got here. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I know I watched this <laughs> and I was paying attention, but I feel like I missed something. Right. <laughs> um, and I've seen some people say like, that was the filmmaker's intent they kind of wanted you to feel that way. Why? I don't know. I don't even know if that's true or if that's just people projecting. That'd be absurd. That'd be absolutely insane for somebody to purposely make a movie that way. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to confuse the shit out of my audience. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm going to make them feel stupid. <laughs> Fuck people. Maybe maybe it was a ploy to make them make people rewatch it multiple times. Maybe. Or, I mean, you know, a lot of times people will do that just to get people talking. People say, oh, you have to see this because maybe you will understand. <laughs> people want to sound smart by saying they understand. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I started watching this uh, yesterday. Or I, I, I did watch it yesterday. Um, and I must have gotten up to do something. Um, and like I think I was watching it when my wife came home and she started like talking to me. And so I was missing little bits and pieces and this kind of movie, you can't do that. No, you have to pay attention. Yes. And even if you pay attention, it doesn't make sense, but like shit just started falling apart on me. Like I am like I it got to like the last 10 minutes of the movie and I was so fucking lost. So I rewatched it today or I, I rewatched it up to the point that I or sorry, I started after the last point that I remembered clearly. Um, and it's just like, okay, well, I mean, I watched it again. And it, it still doesn't, know. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And it still doesn't make sense. So it's the kind of movie we're dealing with here. Yeah, definitely a movie you need to like pay attention to. Um, Kevin texted me. He's like, all right, I'm going to start watching The Void. And I was like, good luck. <laughs> he was like, is it bad? I'm like, just... Pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think if you're going to watch that, would, that would definitely be my, my number one rec- rec- recommendation. Yeah. Um, is to not look away. Make right. sure you have no other distractions. Because even if you fucking get caught in a text conversation for five minutes, you're going to get lost. Yeah. But I don't think it's bad. No, it's not. It seems to me like most people seem to either love this movie or hate this movie. That's kind of the impression I've got from just reading people's thoughts online. Not a lot of people just kind of in the middle. I feel like I'm kind of in the middle. Same here. I'm not over the moon about it, but I, I was entertained. albeit confused. Yeah. Visually. It's fantastic. Yeah. 
Um, like we said, you know, lots of influence from the thing in the creature effects. Uh, one monster at the end kind of kind of reminded me of digging up the marrow. You're gonna have to tell me which one. The one at the end. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't know which creature. I mean, I don't know which marrow creature you're referring to. I'm not no one in particular. Just kind of the overall. Oh, okay. That Alex party look. Sure. Um, oh, how about that one fucker? Um, like you find out that there are what are essentially explained as like failed experiments. Yeah, they're just existing in this basement. One one of them is just like ramming its face into the end of a Dude, pipe. That was so good. That was fucking brutal. I'm like, that's the kind of visuals you're gonna get in this movie. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. But I mean, the, this was really enjoyable. Like you said, like it, visually, it's it's awesome. Uh, I mean, the scene, the the sets and the scenes are good. The creature effects are incredible. The, I really like the use of color too. Okay, I mean, I didn't really get color as a, really a theme. It just kind of seemed everything was black or mustard yellow. Um, <laughs> I mean, more like the the. End more so like when they get when they go to the basement and it's all red. Oh, okay. Well, I, I and then you know there's that other room that was cool. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, with the, with the, with the thing. The thing. Yeah. Thing. You know, thing. Uh, the very end, I was kind of like, what? Why is that the end? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's. Uh, I kept waiting for more. I watched all the way through the credits because I was like, there's got to be something at the end. <laughs> that can't be the end of the movie. It's, it's, it's almost like they were trying to set it up for a sequel, maybe? Yeah, but I, apparently the filmmakers have already said there's no plans for a sequel whatsoever. So why did you do that? Yeah, it's not like it's just it's not like it's just open. Like it's the end scene is like a minute. Yeah. And it's like why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no fucking clue. It just seemed like after all of that, it seemed like the ending should have been a little more finite. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I I don't have a problem with open endings, but it's just, it seemed anticlimactic. Yeah. Like I I don't have a private, I don't have a problem with open endings provided that it works for the movie. If you're building up this fucking movie to, uh, proper conclusion you better fucking give it to me yeah <laughs> this one yeah i don't think it suffered from not having a, a clear resolution but yeah the very end scene it's like what why yeah it's just like that's it <laughs> i expected a much more grandiose ending yeah and it's like it's it the end the end made more sense before that yeah, <laughs> like you could have cut it off earlier, and it would have been a better ending. Yeah, but it wasn't like a false ending. I don't know. Overall, I thought it was good, not great. Um, like I said, you know, a lot of people seem to either like I've seen people just fucking raving about it. I saw somebody call it like their favorite movie of all time. What? No, <laughs> you're, you're wrong. <laughs> I like you, but you're crazy. <laughs> And then other people are like, this is fucking stupid doo-doo, liquid doo-doo. <laughs> Straight boomer. <laughs> but I'm kind of in the middle. Um, not right down the middle. I'm going to give it 
a little little higher than than middle of the road. I'll give it a six. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm essentially the same same thought. Is like the movie as a whole was enjoyable. I mean, when I look at the, the general plot, enjoyable. Like I said, the, the creature effects and especially the special effects in general, especially the fact that they are practical, you know, for for the most part, uh, they looked great. The acting was good. I mean, nobody seemed like they were trying too hard or not hard enough. Um, everyone was at least decent, at, at, you know, in their in their roles. Um, so yeah, I mean, like when you look at the movie as a whole, I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's fine. It's when you start breaking it down and it get into like certain elements of the plot, and especially, like I said, like the last quarter of the movie was just what? Yeah, just all over the place. Um. So yeah, I, I think uh, I think I'll give the same as you as six. Okay. There it is. So that's going to wrap things up here. Uh, that's the end of another fun-filled episode of the Grave Plot Podcast. It was so much fun. We'll be back in two weeks with our Crypticon episode. Yeah. Tales from the Crypticon. <laughs> yeah, that's going on. I mean, if you're in the Seattle area and you have the means, I suggest I would very highly suggest that you check it out. Um, it's it's moved since last year and all years previous. It's usually the last weekend of May, but now it's the first, so it's going through the, the fifth through the seventh. Mm-hmm. And it's changed locations. It's at the SeaTac um, DoubleTree or the DoubleTree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tickets are on sale at CryptoConSeattle.com. Make sure you go check it out. It's got a pretty good guest list. Yeah, you got. Uh, it's it's very. Um, Romero centric this year. Yeah. So you got George Romero is going to be there. Plus you got um, Johnny and Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. Then you got uh, Ken Forey and uh, I don't remember the other guy's name and Galen Ross from Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably some other people's names I'm forgetting right now. Uh, Fucking Doug Bradley. Doug Bradley Pinhead is going to be there. Tom Matthews is going to be there. Mm-hmm. I'm making a mask. Oh yeah. Nice. We're going to be there. It's going to be a fun time. Fun party. Luchagor is going to be there. Luchagor is going to be there again. He's going to get drunk at party. Fucking party. <laughs> we'll sign stuff for you if you want. Yeah. We'll, we'll sign your titties. <laughs> I think my wife would like that. She don't got to know. <laughs> Plus, we'll have free buttons. So we'll come, have buttons. come say hi. Get a free button. Um, get a high five. If I, can, if I can find time for it, I might make some stickers. I'm just starting to roll on the site. Uh, but that's only if I can make time for it. Yeah. We'll uh, yeah. But uh, check it out. Check us out. Where do they check us out? Check us out at graveplotpodcast.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Google Plus. And YouTube, not much on YouTube, but it's there. All right. And, and of course, patreon.com slash podcast. If you can contribute monetarily, if you can't, 
uh, maybe just give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That would be great. Yeah, and just a reminder that Patreon patrons are hearing this episode completely unedited and three days early, guys. So if that is of interest to you, you can donate for a dollar and get this episode early. No, five dollars. <laughs> keep reading. Five dollar level gets this episode early uh, in all episodes. But $1 does get you exclusive video reviews. We just put out a brand new one a couple days ago. Uh, plus, you get to pick what movies we do for those. So, so uh, all that more on the next episode of Big Blood Podcast. <laughs> Till then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Great Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside.